Welcome to the Connect Community Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. We're so glad to have you with us today. If you're ever in our area, come see us in person. We hope today's message inspires you and helps you live better. Closing our series today titled Originals, and uh, the title of the message, if you're taking notes, is Original Purpose. I was thinking about this question uh, in preparation for this message because I believe it's a question that we all ask at some point in our lives, at some point in our journey, we ask this question. And I think we will ask this question in different seasons of life, when we're young, when we are less young, and when we are young at heart. We will ask this question. And the question is, what makes life worthwhile? You might have an answer for it. You might have a different answer that, that, you, that you used to have. But this is a question worth asking. And a little while ago, uh, there was a trend on social media where people would post a picture of themselves doing, doing some kind of activity or in, out in some exotic place with the caption, living my best life. Living my best life. And if you've made a post like that, I've seen it, and I'm not jealous. Maybe I am a little bit. Maybe I hoped I'd be there uh, in the same location. And, uh, you know, we all have those moments in life where we, 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 we go to these places. And, uh, but, but what that communicates when, when, I, when, when something like that is posted, um, not in a negative way, but what communicates is that this best life is a moment. Perhaps a moment of respite. Perhaps it's a moment where you get to get away from your actual life and you step into this other reality somewhere else. And there, away from your actual life, you find your quote-unquote best life. Now, is it wrong to enjoy those moments? Of course not. We've all had these moments in life and places that we go to uh, that we have this thought, right? We, I, I, we need more of this in my life. I need more of this in my life. Well, we just recently had the, the, the grace of, of being gifted a trip to Cancun. So we got to take our kids to Cancun, and I'm in the middle of the ocean in Cancun, and I don't know if you've been to Cancun, but the ocean in Cancun is warm. Like, it, it, the water is pleasant. If you've been to our beaches here in Stanford, the water is not warm. <laughs> it's cold. And you go in, and you got to get out. Uh, but in Cancun, I'm in the water, and, and the water is clear, and I... I looked at, at, at my friend who was there, and I was like, man, I, I need more of this in my life. You know what I'm saying? Like, I need more of this. We all have those moments where we, we think, man, I need more of this in my life. But at what point can you say that your actual life, what you are actually living day in and day out, is in fact your best life? We all want to connect to that thing, that source, that power, that joy, that energy that brings us purpose. That which causes us to look at our lives despite our challenges, despite the hardships, despite the stress that each season brings. And we can say, this is it. This is what I'm made for. This, this is what I'm supposed to do. Now, do you have clarity 
in your life to know and to have that conviction? Do you wake up each morning energized? Energized because you have direction, because you have focus, because you have purpose. I believe one of the biggest deterrents that can keep us from having clarity in this area of our lives is the feeling of lack. And there's a reason why I say the feeling of lack, because lack can be relative, right? We all know that here, that lack can be relative, meaning most of us struggle with the feeling of lack because we know that we don't actually lack, but we still have the feeling of lack. I mean that if you're a person who you have an adequate home, you have a shelter, you, you have a reliable car that can take you to your job or material things that can make your life work. Maybe you have a job that provides. If you have a job that provides. If you have a family that loves you or, or is at least functional and you have friends around you. You have the basic, the fundamental things that make for a good life. And so you can't really say that you lack, at least not out loud, because you have those fundamental things. And when you compare your life to the lives of people living in dire circumstances elsewhere, and you realize that around the globe, because now we have the ability through our devices to see how other people live, you realize that their best dreams will, is what you're living right now. That in the best circumstance ever that they could imagine is, is your normal. Then you can actually realize that, man, we don't really lack, do we? Now, if you have their awareness, what happens is you feel guilty for feeling like you lack. Because you know you should, you should have an attitude of gratitude, right? The best attitude is the attitude of? Everybody says that. We know that. We tell our kids that. Have an attitude of gratitude. But it doesn't matter, does it? Because you still feel like you lack. Even though you know you don't, you feel like it. And it plays out this way. This is what it looks like. Whenever you feel like you lack, whatever you lack becomes the culprit. It becomes the, the, the source of your dissatisfactions, the source of your dislikes. You have that nagging feeling. You know that nagging feeling that you feel like, man, I, if, I, if I could just have this thing, life would be so much better. My life would be so much better if I only had filling the blank. And because of that, Whatever you lack becomes the de facto purpose of your life. If you have a good job, you may have that job, but then what you lack is that promotion with the corner office. Then you'll be respected. Then you'll have the prestige. Then you have made it. You have a minivan. It's okay. It's awesome to have a minivan. You can go to Costco, pack it up with all the stuff. You know, you can, you, can, you can put a bunch of people in it. You can shop at Walmart. If you're fancy, you can go to Target. You know? But, but the thing is, you think, man, the minivan is cool, but what I really need is a convertible. Then, then my life 
will, will, will feel like I, I, I'll have made it. Then, then, then my life will be what it needs to be. You have friends, but you don't have a boyfriend. You have a girlfriend, but you don't have a wife. You have, you're married, but you don't have kids. There's always something else that you're lacking. You have a church, but you feel like you need more. And when you live like that, without noticing, lack kind of steps into that place of purpose. becomes a de facto purpose. Where you just, what am I going to live for? I'm going to live for the thing that I lack. I'm going to live to seek the thing that I don't have so that I can fulfill that void. And because there's always a next level, you're never satisfied. And so you begin to yearn for an escape from this pursuit. Because the pursuit, the desire for more, becomes exhausting. There's always something else. So you book a trip to go to an exotic place somewhere away from everything for a moment. For a moment when you're there, the feeling of lack disappears. And in that place, you feel like this is my best life. This is my best life. There's no burden of lack. There's no guilt for feeling ungrateful. There's no sorrow for feeling like you're failing. No struggles. There in that place, you don't feel like a bad mother. In that place, you don't feel like an inadequate husband. In that place, you don't feel like you're working all the time. In that place, you don't feel surrounded by snakes at work. In that place, there are no bad news. There are no wars. It's just you with the people you love. And the momentary, although fleeting, feeling is that of satisfaction. And there you realize, this is my best life. This is it. But is that how it's supposed to be? Is that how it's meant to be? Some momentary escape from your normal life. Some momentary exit from the day-to-day of your life. I don't know if you have ever wrestled, if you have ever wrestled with these thoughts. I think that this idea of constantly dwelling on what you don't have is a trap. In fact, in our first message in this series, we talked about the original sin, and that was the original deception. The enemy, the, the Adam and Eve, that's the picture of the garden. They had everything except the one fruit that they couldn't have. And that's what the enemy made them focus on. And so that's the, 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 the trap that the human mind entered, that deception from the beginning. And we are presented with it again and again and again, now I recognize that this is not a simple matter. It's not just a matter of being content and not doing anything else with your life and just staying right here where you are because you have enough. Because otherwise you won't grow. Growing is about taking new territory. Purpose is about moving forward into the unknown. Experiencing new things. Yes, moving forward and having your life expand. So I want to make a clear distinction today. 
on the difference between moving forward because of the feeling of lack and moving forward with purpose because there is a difference between the two. There's a difference. See, feeling of lack is about desire. But purpose is about design. And you were designed purposefully by God. So today we're going to look at another core story in the Bible, another original and every story in the Bible is good food for your soul. It nourishes you. It fills you up. But this one, this is one of the big ones. We're going to talk about Abraham today, which in the stories of the scripture, in, in, in the scripture, he's, he, he, his name is originally Abram. And uh, there's, here's a few facts of Abram. Abram was Noah's 10th generation descendant. So Noah was his great, 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 great grandfather. And uh, there's a genealogy of Abram there. We know that he comes from the, the lineage of Shem. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. I told the earlier service that those sounds like Thanksgiving dishes, but they were actually Noah's sons' names, Sam, Ham, and Japheth. And, and, and Abraham came from Shem's lineage. Um, Abraham was born to a wealthy family. His father had servants and cattle and land and and there are not many details about his young life apart from the fact that he lived with his parents. But we know that his needs were all cared for. He had no lack. He had no need. He's enjoying what seems to be a good life. Everything is provided for, except he has no purpose. So right here from the beginning of the story, we see the difference between living by lack and living by purpose. Because... He has everything provided for, yet his life is not complete. It's not bearing fruit. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 4, we begin on the calling of Abraham. I'm reading from uh, the NIV version. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and, I will, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and, I will, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot, his nephew, went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. Now imagine... That you're in a similar situation. Put yourself in Abram's shoes right now. Everything you need is provided for. You have comfort, security, and status. You have a family around you. But you have not stepped into your purpose. You can have anything you desire, but you have no purpose. And that was Abram. Abram was living by desire, not by design. And God is calling him out at the ripe age of 75. Let me tell you something. It's never too late to start. 75 years old and God calls him. God disrupts his life by giving him two things, a prescription and a promise. Now God's prescription, God's call was go from Abram, I want you to go from what? From your country, that is systems, that's government, that's geography. I want you to go from your people, that's culture, that's customs. And I want you to go from your family, that's heritage, 
that's support, that's security, that's tradition. And he's saying, I want you to move out from these things to where I will show you. You don't know where you're going. I know where you're going. In other words, God is saying, I want you to go from the place you know to the place I know. I want you to leave what you know and come to the place that I have for you. Friends, sometimes God calls us out from where we know. Not because the place that we know is bad. It's familiar to us. But he calls us out, to, out from it, not because it's causing us harm, but because it was not designed for us to thrive. It can only take us so far. And this is the story of Abram. God didn't ask him to dishonor his family. God didn't ask him uh, to, to leave and, and, and because his family was bad for him. It wasn't a problem that, that, that the family, you know, God didn't say the family was toxic. God didn't say, hey, Abraham, you're doing this all wrong. You're living with your parents at 75, man. You're not supposed to do that. Go lead your own life. No, God simply gave him a direction. He said, hey, I have a life for you. And here's what I need you to do. I need you to leave. And I need you to go to a land that I will show you. And I believe that this communicates with us because what God had for Abram is what God has, has for us. A place of vision, a place of direction, but it is also a place of the unknown. And so Abram answered the call. He goes, he gets to a land, and when he gets to a land, God says, hey, this is the land. I'm going to give you this land. So Abram begins to settle there. He, he sets up an altar, but before he can settle there, there's a famine in the land that God sent him to. Sometimes, friends, in life, when God gives us direction, there will be setbacks. There will be detours. It's part of the adventure. And so Abram has to go to Egypt. We're not going to go through every single detail of the story for the sake of time. But if you read through the Genesis, you will, know, you will know that the moment he got to the land, he has to leave. Someone says, oh God, here's where you go. But hey, there's no food here. So you got to get out. And so he heads to Egypt. And, and, and he becomes an immigrant in a foreign land. Friends, sometimes, even when God calls you to a place, there will be detours and there will be delays. But let me encourage you to stay the course. Stay the course and trust God. Because our job is, is, is to be moved by purpose. And God will use every single aspect of our journey to mold us. And so Abraham, Abraham spent some time in Egypt. And check this out. He prospers in Egypt. He he, he, he prospers in Egypt, and after the famine passed, he returned to the land. Genesis chapter 13, verses 1 and 2 say this. So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev with his family and everything he had, and Lot, his nephew, went with, with him. Abram had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and in gold. Notice, he obeyed, he sacrificed, he suffered, but even as he obeyed, sacrificed, and suffered, it doesn't mean lack. God still caused him to prosper. And he still kept obeying. 
He left his family. He sacrificed his status. He sacrificed his culture to this place that he didn't know. Yet God caused him to prosper. He became an immigrant in a foreign land because of the famine. Yet God caused him to prosper. He still prospered. And no point in the story, this is something worth mentioning, at no point in the story was Abraham ever poor. It's very interesting. And I think it's important for us to note because we live in a culture, us here in 2023, we're surrounded by people in a culture that keeps telling us that, that money and wealth and prestige should be our sole purpose. And Abraham, he leaves all that. He turns his back on that mindset. Yet God still causes him to prosper. See, some, 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 some of our mindsets would say, hey, Abram, you're prospering in Egypt. You're becoming wealthy in cattle and gold and silver. Why would you go back to the land that God promised you? Why would you go back to the land that you just left because of a famine? Why would you, why would you go back? Why would you re-engage with what God called you to do? Everything is going well here. But that was not the point of his life, to accumulate more and more. The point of his life was to fulfill the call and the promise that God has, had made him. So Abraham understands that God's call from his country, out of his country, out of his people, out of his family, was so that he could think differently about what makes life worthwhile. And that's a lesson to us. We had to retool our minds to understand what makes life worthwhile. So God had promised Abraham two things, if you remember. He promised him a land, that's a place, and a people. That's posterity. That's his offspring. Go to a land that I'll show you, and I will make you a great nation. And there he was, back at the land, obeying God, doing what God called him to do. And Abraham is in the land. And years go by, still no child. Watch this. Listen to this part of the story, uh, verses one through six in chapter fifteen of Genesis. After this, the word of the Lord came to Ab the word of the Lord. The, the word of the Lord. Say that seven times. <laughs> After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? In other words, I have everything I need. What will you give me? And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant of my household will be my heir. And the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be, will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars. If need, you can count them. If needed, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And Abram believed God. And I love this sentence. It says, he credited it to him as righteousness. Because Abram believed, because of his faith, God accredited to Abram as righteousness. He was righteous because he believed. He was righteous because he had faith. Now after this moment with God, after this encounter with God, Abram, Abram is refreshed. He believes. He continues to believe, but still nothing. Which tells me this. 
Sometimes, you can, whether you're full of faith or not, sometimes you just feel like you're in the middle. You just feel like you were unfinished. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. But here's Abram. Ten years have passed from the time he left his parents. And he's happily married. He's full of money. He's full of fame. But there's the one thing that God promised. He didn't fulfill. He fulfilled half of it. I don't know if you've ever felt like you're perpetually halfway there. Perpetually almost there. Perpetually halfway finished. Perpetually feeling like, God, man, if I, it's, oh, that's so close, man. I'm, but I'm still missing. I, have, I am blessed. Look at all this thing that God has, has done for me. I am, I have all these other, but, oh. And this is when the feeling of lack that we talked about gets the loudest. That's the moment. When in our spirit, the feeling of lack rises. And what happens next in the story is a bit shocking to us. Because Abram's wife steps into the story and decides that it's time for some action. It's time to solve the problem. Abram, it's been 10 years. And nothing. Now God promised that you were going to have a child. So here's what we're going to do. Genesis chapter 16, 2. The Lord has kept me from having children. So here, go and sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. And Abram agreed to what Sarai said. Hmm. You know when a woman tells her husband, I feel like this outfit makes me look big. Every man knows the answer in his gut. He knows what he has to say. You know, it doesn't matter if the outfit makes her look like anything. It doesn't matter. The answer is always no. No. Somebody said in the earlier service, I love you. The answer is always I love you. The answer is no. No. How how dare you say that? No. And somehow Abram is not that bright. (laughs) His wife makes a proposal like this and he's like, oh yeah, that's a great idea. I'll have your servant. Sure. It sounds great to me. He takes the bait and Ishmael is born. Out of Hagar, Sarah's, or Sarai's servant. Now here's where the story gets interesting because what Sarah thought was going to be the solution to her lack. Because the feeling of lack in her heart was so intense that she couldn't see all the other variables. And what she thought was going to be the solution to her lack became a reminder of her inadequacy. Friends, when we try to fulfill God's plan in our own strength, we create more problems than solutions. Because now Sarah or Sarai is not only barren and childless, but she is jealous of her slave. Because even though Sarah has everything, including power over this woman who is her servant, the servant has what she has been dreaming of her whole life. The servant can have babies. It became clear that Abraham was not the problem. 
it became clear that she was the problem. And I believe comparison drove a wedge between them. And the whole thing becomes a mess. I don't know if you've ever wrestled with comparison. I believe all of us have at some point wrestled with this to the point that it can steal the joy of the call of God and the promises that God has made to you. Even if you're not a God person, it can, it can affect you deeply. Maybe it has happened to you. You know, you have a goal, you have a vision, a direction, and you're halfway there. You're believing for the next part, and you're believing with your whole heart. Then someone in your circle who wasn't even trying steps into your reality and gets the thing that you were hoping for. And you go like, how? They weren't even trying. They didn't even need this. And here I am, God. That was Sarah's servant. She probably didn't even need or want a kid. But now she flaunts the kid to Sarah. The whole thing becomes a mess. And Sarah is bitter, still waiting on the promise of God. Another 15 years go by. And by now, God has made a covenant with, with them. God changed the name, uh, their names from Abram to Abraham, from Sarai to Sarah. And finally, the promise is fulfilled. Sarah has a son. Let's go to the scripture, Genesis chapter 21, verses 1 through 5. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, and as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age, at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son, of Sarah, the son Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him, and as God commanded him, Abraham was a hundred years old when Isaac was born to him. A hundred years old. 25 years from the day God promised, from the day he walked away from his family and his country to the day the promise was fulfilled. A lot of waiting. I don't know if you've wrestled with these thoughts and these ideas that I'm sharing today, but I got to tell you that for years I battled with this idea myself, this desire to make my life worthwhile, to make my life count. And if I'm honest, I, I still wrestle with it. See, I left my hometown at the age of 20. I left friends, family, a place I love deeply, a place where I could prosper and have a bright future. And I felt like Abraham in many ways, you know, reaching out for some kind of promise that seemed ever so distant, thinking that at the next, at the next turn, and the next decision, the next moment, the next step of faith, my, my life will finally be worthy of all the sacrifices. Have you ever felt like that? Looking for the, 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 the reward of all the sacrifices and the investment you've made. That all I walked away from in my life, all that I missed, all that I didn't get to experience would be worth it. Not being there when my first niece was born. Not being there when my parents turned 60. Not being there when my sister graduated. Not being there when my dad was honored by our town with a Lifetime Achievement Award. 
Not being there when, again, my parents turned 70 and so many other moments that I wasn't able to be there. So much of life is our witness to one another. And when we step out into this beautiful adventure, we look at the vision. We, looked at the, we look at the picture and we think about all the things we will gain. If you've ever done that, if you've ever stepped out either to go to college or, or start a business or, or you, know, you move out from your hometown into the big city, however you, you, that plays out in your life, you step out thinking about what you will gain, thinking about the possibilities. And that picture, that fantasy can become so attractive in your mind, it blinds you from all that you will miss, all that you will then lack. But then the lack appears. And lack calls for compensation. And what will make your life worthwhile? What is the thing that will cause you to think it was all worth it? What achievement will cause you to think that all that you suffered, all that you struggled to fulfill, all that you went through, all that you said no to will make your life worthwhile. What is it for you? Is it financial success? Is it, is, is it a certain number in your, in your bank account? Is it career recognition, the title, the respect? In my reality, is it a big church? Are you influencing people? Is it having a big following on social media? Is it providing for the onlookers, the people, the witnesses of your life with enough evidence to say that you made something out of yourself? What is it? We all have an Isaac we desperately wait for. We all have an Isaac that we're aiming at. And I want, you to remind, I want to remind you that what happened to Abraham is true. Abraham, the Abrahamic story is this archetypal story that, that, that we, we can all identify with, right? We all are looking for this great adventure. We all have this call that we want to answer to. And friends, God is faithful. What He promised, He will fulfill. And now Abraham has the promise. He has the son. He has the land. And he, he, he is, in a sense, made whole and complete. But if you know the story, you know the story doesn't end there. You know that God tested Abraham. I'm not going to get into the scripture, but you can read it in your own time. Chapter 22 of Genesis tells the story of how God asked for the unthinkable. Because God comes to Abraham and says, Abraham, I want you to take your son, your only son that you've been waiting for 25 years. I want you to take him and I want you to sacrifice him. Unthinkable, gruesome, terrible. And I don't know about you, but this is one of those tests that I pretty much think I would fail. I would fail. I don't know if I'd be able to pass this test. Because think about this. God, after you call me out of my family and I say, I leave them, I say bye to them. After you call me out of my country, of my, of my people. After facing famine, 
becoming an immigrant in a foreign land, fighting enemies, seeing cities burn, mustering up an army. Abraham had about 318 fighting men that went and fought some four kings to rescue his nephew. After going through all that, after taking matters in my own hands to try to get an offspring out of my life and making a mess out of my life, still you fulfill the promise. I receive the promise. I get the thing that I'm missing. And then, and then, and then I get, the goal is achieved. And now you want me to terminate it? You want me to, to get rid of the promise that you give, you've given me? See, God didn't even take it away. God asked Abraham to do it. And, and you know what's amazing about the story and why Abraham is the father of faith in the scripture? Is that Abraham does it. But he does it knowing God's heart. Because from the moment he left his parents' house, that journey was a journey of getting to know God. And this is almost like a rite of passage for Abraham. Because he gets to the point where God is testing him and he's saying, I know you know me, but let's make sure you know me. And so on the way up to the altar, on the way up to make the sacrifice, Isaac realizes what's going on. He's done this with his dad before. And he says, Dad, we have the materials for the altar. We have the wood. Where's the sacrificial animal? And Abraham looks at his son and says, the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. He's trusting that God will provide. All along, he's trusting. So he goes up the mountain. He builds the altar. He places the boy in the altar. He gets the knife. And he's ready to go through with it. And he raises the knife. And the moment he raises the knife, Scripture says that the angel of the Lord says, Stop. Do not do anything to the boy. And God lets him know that you have, you have passed the test. You know, I know that I can trust you. I know that you will obey God no matter what. And that can only happen when you know the God who has a purpose for your life. It's not just about living out the purpose. It's about knowing God. And that's our original purpose, to walk with God in a way that we get to know Him. And friends, it's hard to get to know God when you're living with your parents, so to speak. And some of us, we've been seeking the opposite. Instead of stepping out into the adventure, stepping out into the unknown, answering the call of God, we want safety. We want, we want the security that Abraham had before he stepped out. We working, we work, we're working backwards. When God is saying, no, I want you to move forward. I want you to get to know me. I want you to trust me. I'm going to provide for you. You're not going to lack. But your life is about more than material provision. Genesis 22, verse 15 and 18. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from the heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, 
I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through you, your offspring, and through your offspring, all nations of the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. For some of us, this word obey comes through a little harsh. It's not an attractive word. It's not an attractive word to obey. But I want to remind you that this idea of obedience, whether you're a church person or not, you might not be a church person here, and this word is rejected in your vocabulary. I want to remind you that you are obeying something, though. Your life abides by something right now as you live. You can be an atheist and you're still obedient to something. Your life is serving a set of principles, a set of values. And the question is, what will you serve? The question is, what will you obey? Will you obey your own feeling of lack and let that govern your life? Trying to fulfill this, whatever the, the, the blank statement is, whatever else, and make that your purpose? Will you remain and live for comfort and safety? Or will you listen to the call of your Creator and step out into that life of purpose, into that adventurous life that takes you into the unknown and go to the land that He will show you? Listen, we are all linked to Abraham. In fact, Scripture says in Galatians 3.29, this is my last Scripture for today, that if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. Heirs according to the promise. So the promise and the blessing of Abraham is in your life. Especially if you belong to Christ, it's available to you. Friends, you have the blessing of Abraham. And God loves you. So I want to challenge you today to take a step toward the unknown. I want to challenge you today that the original purpose that God has called you for is to listen to Him, is to obey Him, and to allow your life to be guided by Him. That's when you'll find fulfillment. Yes, you'll have troubles and struggles and things that you will face, but you will face knowing that God has you in the palm of His hand. And that all your needs will be taken care of because you're choosing to follow him. Do you receive it this morning? Thank you for listening today. If you have a prayer request, a question about faith, or would like to find out more information, visit us at connectcommunity.org. Don't forget to subscribe and share. See you next time.